Hello. Hello again. It's Landon. And Monique. And this month... We're going to be talking about male parts. Boy parts. Yeah, because we did talk about women parts. It is fair that we give you equal representation. Although we're second. It's okay. I know. Mm -hmm. Because when you're second, you try harder. Oh, is that what it is? I think hmm. that's the motto of like Avis or something. Because <laughs> when you're in second place, you try harder. I would think so. You should maybe. Yeah. I mm -hmm. know. Anyway. So I have a NP student at the moment. I often have NP students. And we were about to go into a 25-year-old male patient's room who had presented with scrotal pain. And she asked me if I had ever seen a testicular torsion. And I found that kind of interesting, actually, because in over 30 years in the emergency department, I've never seen an actual torsion. You're joking. No. Are you serious? I am serious. I have never. That's I have so weird. That's one of those things like the stars aligned and you mm -hmm. just like showed up at all the right times and never. Never. Like I've, I've never I've seen, seen multiple of them. No, I've never seen one. That's cool. Um, and I've had lots of presentations of scrotal pain which ended up with a variety of diagnoses, but never testicular torsion. Hmm. That's weird, isn't it? It is weird. So we thought it would be a good that idea. That was like when we talked about ankle brachial index, and I, know. I said I'd never heard of it, and I'd been a nurse for like 20 years. Exactly. It's one of those moments. This is an ankle brachial <laughs> index moment. It's a testicular torsion moment for many. It's Monique. a moment, mm -hmm. yeah. So we wanted to actually talk a little bit about um, differential diagnosis for scribble pain. And we are starting with this. So certainly with any kind of sudden onset of testicular or scrotal pain that presents to the emergency department, we do kind of have to rule out testicular torsion. Please do. You would think so, right? Yeah. The differential diagnosis of the acutely painful scrotum includes testicular torsion, trauma, epididymis, mitis. Oh, I said epididymis only. Epididymitis, orchitis, varicoceles, and torsion of the appendix testes. I've often said that history gives us 80%. I made up that number, by the way. I have no idea I know, how but you percent. hear it a lot. I know. History is 80% of, of the, the diagnosis. Yeah, I have no idea I where that came from. I can picture some, like, old doctor in a white lab coat or that's Or an old NP. Is that what you're going to say? It. Oh, I should have. Yeah, you totally, totally missed that. Totally haven't made I the old joke Exactly. Yet. I can't believe you didn't. But anyways, I often say that history is 80% of the diagnosis and that physical exam confirms it. But it is actually kind of difficult to differentiate testicular torsion from the other diagnoses based on history alone. There was a retrospective review of 204 boys with torsion, torsion of the appendix testes and epididymitis and orchitis, and they found no difference in presenting symptoms or history features except for how long they had the symptoms. They found that boys with testicular torsion did seek medical attention earlier than boys with torsion of the appendix testes. Another study showed that boys with torsion of the appendix testes were younger than those with testicular torsion, and epididymitis was more common after puberty. I kind of like saying that word, epididymitis. I don't know why, it's just it's kind of a I'm musical glad. epididymitis. I've actually been left going, is it orchitis? I've always said orchitis. Oh. I think I've always been saying, saying it, it wrong. wrong. Mm -hmm. Unless okay. you're saying it wrong. Maybe, but, but yeah. I, it, I'm spelling it right. So, so I'll probably be. say orchitis. Okay. But you're spelling it right. I know. So if there is, what was I saying? You know, epididymitis is more common after pu puberty. Now, if there's a history of scrotal trauma, it can be tempting to attribute the scrotal pain to the trauma. However, if the pain lasts more than one hour after the trauma, 
you should probably evaluate the testicle because they could possibly have tra trauma-induced torsion. An hour? Yeah, if it lasts more than an hour. This should If it lasts more than 15 seconds, you should be like calling the trauma team. It's, it's a level one trauma problem, mm -hmm. isn't it? Well, let's just keep on going, shall Honestly, we? Honestly, it's a CTAS-1. I don't think so, but go ahead. Well, the physical examination may help to differentiate causes of acute scrotal pain. In epididymitis, you love that word I way too much. I think it's so funny, that little word. In epididymitis, the scrotal skin becomes edematous, and the textbooks will talk about the orange peel appearance, but really that's a later sign. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they've not waited until... <laughs> it looks like an orange an peel. Orange peel. I, I don't know if I can eat oranges now. I'm just saying. At the beginning, there may be just tenderness of the epididymis and maybe some leukocytes in the urine. If the appendix testis undergoes torsion, there may be a hard, tender nodule, two to three millimeters, um, on the upper pole of the testicle. Mm -hmm. So the appendix testis is like an extra little bit. Yeah. Uh, the appendix, yeah, which is the extra bit of our intestine. This is the extra bit of the epididymis. They're so excited about I that. I am so excited I about know. this because this is stuff you don't learn. Exactly. I've lost my spot. So the epididymis remains posterior? Right. Right. Because the epididymis kind of moves around, right? Oh, yeah. But when when only the t appendix testis undergoes torsion. The yeah. epididymis may remain posterior. Posterior, yeah. So sometimes a blue discoloration may be seen in that area, and it's called the blue dot sign. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> no <laughs> comments. <laughs> you could have quite a bit of scrotal edema, though, and this may obscure the physical findings. Right. So there you go. Now, in testicular torsion, the epididymis may be located medially, laterally, or anteriorly. So, pretty well, it may be located anywhere. Yeah, but it depends it's on not how supposed much it's supposed to be. Well, so, it's basically, so the, the torsion is that it's like twisted around, mm -hmm. and it's like yeah. cutting its circulation off. So, it depends on how much it's twisted around. That's where you might find the epididymis. Mm -hmm. uh, the sper spermatic cord shortens as it twists, mm -hmm. so the testes may appear higher in the affected scrotum. This is a very specific finding, and when present, is strong evidence of testicular torsion. Because of venous congestion, the affected side may also appear larger than the unaffected testis. Is mm -hmm. it testis? Testi, isn't it? Testi. Testi. But it's spelled testis. Anyway, we're going to say it however we want. The most sensitive physical finding in testicular torsion is the absence of the cremasteric reflex. So this reflex is elicited, elicited, mm -hmm. elicited, elicited. Yeah, elicited. I'm having trouble. Yeah. Elicited by stroking or pinching the medial thigh, which causes contraction of the cremaster muscle, which elevates the testes. Mm -hmm. So that's normally, that's what should happen. Yeah, it is should. If you pinch the inner thigh the testes should elevate. Is it like on that side? Yes, exactly. Will elevate. Okay. Yeah. So the cremasteric reflex is considered positive mm -hmm. if the testicle moves at least 0.5 centimeters. Right. Although two studies found the loss of the cremasteric reflex to be 99% sensitive for testicular torsion. Mm -hmm. There's been a single case report of a normal cremasteric reflex in the presence of testicular torsion. So it should be also include both Testicles, yeah. Both testicles. Mm -hmm. But so what it's saying, because I kind of maybe went in a circle there. Yeah. So, so the reflex is you pinch the inner thigh, 
the, the testy on that side should elevate at least half a millimeter. Right. And if it doesn't, yeah. it, indi- it is very sensitive to indicating right. so if it's a testicular absent, torsion. Right. So if it's absent, then it is yeah. If it just stays torsion. where it is. Because really mm-hmm. what it is, is it's already elevated. Elevated, exactly, because right. it's been torted, right? Yeah. Okay. So invariably, all these patients should be going for some type of imaging, most likely an ultrasound. Don't forget to do a urinalysis and a chlamydia and gonorrhea workout. Well, you have to, right? Yeah, you got to do it yeah. all. Yeah, because you never know. So we're going to actually really talk a lot about testicular torsion now. And we kind of mentioned it up there. and We're looking at <clears throat> different physical findings that might tell us what it is. And the reason we worry about testicular torsion is it really is a true surgical emergency because it may result in the loss of the affected testicle if not treated promptly. It is caused by, as we said, the twisting of the spermatic cord, which causes a loss of blood flow to the testicle. There's actually about a six-hour window for the testicle to be salvaged. That's too long. Oh, you would, you're all about this time here. Well, honestly, I know. six well, hours. Well, exactly. So surgical treatment within this time frame is associated with a 100% salvage rate for the testicle. Oh, that's good. Right. Perfect. So after six hours, the salvage rate decreases, and if surgical repair is performed after 24 hours, the testicle is no longer salvageable. That's pretty scary, isn't it? So the goal of the surgery, obviously, is to salvage the testicle. If the testicle cannot be salvaged, the testicle is removed. Or orchiectomy. Maybe that's where the orchia sound yeah, comes from. I think so. Orchiectomy, not orchiitis. No, it's orchitis and it's orchiectomy. Now, this is another weird way. If the, if the testicle is detorsed, Successful. I didn't even know that there was a word named called detours. Well, that's most of the ones I've seen. Have detoursed. The, the urologist has just come and... Detoursed and it. figured out which way it's gone. And they... And they just unwind the guy. It. Yeah. But the, the proper term is detoursed. <clears throat> detoursed. If the testicle is detoursed successfully, it will be sutured within the scrotum so that it can no longer twist. That's called an orchiopexy. Look at that. Wow. The other testicle will also undergo the same fixation to the scrotum. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Anyway, these this is why really these patients are triaged as a level two. One. I know you want to say one, level one, but it's a level two. Isn't it interesting that men who have testicular torsion is a it's level a two, it's a one. and women who have abdominal pain who could have an ovarian torsion a is four. a three. Yeah. See, this is this is why we went first. Anyway. Usually, patients will complain of excruciating one-sided testicular pain with swelling. And since the cord structures twist like the strings of a puppet, the testicle elevates as well. Because of the pain, patients may also experience nausea and vomiting. And sometimes people, patients will tell you they have abdominal pain. Now, in women with abdominal pain, you should always include a pelvic exam. In men with abdominal pain, you should always examine the groin area. Males who experience testicular torsion may have an inherited trait that allows one or both testicles to rotate freely inside the scrotum. The testicle is only attached to the spermatic cord and not to the scrotum. This is called a bell clapper scrotum. Look at that. Bell clapper. Oh, yeah, because the like testicle swings inside. like a bell clapper. That's what it's called. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. This, can occur, this can occur spontaneously or it may be associated with trauma. There's no way to detect this deformity. In a significant number of men who have this anatomical abnormality, they're going to have it in both testicles, which is why you have to tie both of them down once you detorsed it, right? 
So factors that increase the chance of testicular torsion are age, more common in men, uh, obviously men. I don't know why I had to more, say that. It's most common in most males. Most common in men. She actually wrote that. I know. But I meant men aged between 10 to 25, although it can occur in any rage, age, rage, any age, it is rare over the age of 30. About 60% of the cases occur in adolescents aged 12 to 18. And it affects around 1 in 4,000 men before the age of 25. That's actually kind of high. It is. But I think maybe some of them detorse themselves. themselves. Mm -hmm. Spontaneous mm -hmm. detorsion. Maybe. I don't know. Um, if you have uh, previous testicular torsions, you're likely to have it again um, in either testicle unless surgery is performed to correct the problem. And this one's weird climate. Torsions are sometimes called winter syndrome because they often happen when the weather is cold. If you're in bed, in a warm bed, the scrotum is very relaxed. And when the guy gets out of his bed, his scrotum is exposed to the colder room air. And if the spermatic cord is twisted, while the scrotum is loose, this sudden contraction can resus result from the abrupt temperature change and contract the testicle in that position. I know. Really? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of weird. So I don't know. Do you need to keep your, your house warm? I guess, or well, I guess you should sleep with warm underwear on. I guess. Something. I don't know. Or don't expose your electric scrotum to the colder room air. I just don't understand need that. an electric heating scrotum warmer. <laughs> exactly. That, you, that, that you when know you what? get out of bed, you keep with you. Perhaps we should make one we of those. We should invent that. Invent we just that. patented that, by the way. So yeah, so don't anyone do any of that. Pending. I know. We could sell them in the emergency department post-testicular torsion. Well, no, we need to, we need oh, to pre. do pre. Yeah, it has to post, be pre. Post, post, that kind of. <laughs> it could just be something you buy at the gift shop. That's how a lot shop. of public health stuff goes. <laughs> exactly. It's I know. treated after it's happened. I know. Oh, my goodness. We're having too much fun this month. I know. <laughs> um. uh, we're going to have to give you the outtakes because this has taken us a lot longer to do this one than any of the other ones. Let's just say the cremisteric reflex took probably 18 Ten takes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So we've also mentioned earlier the appendix testis torsion. Mm -hmm. So the appendix testis is a congenital duct remnant on the superior aspect of the testicle. In one retrospective review of 100 boys younger than 15 who presented to the ED with acute testicular pain, researchers found that 70 had torsion of the appendix testis 12 had testicular torsion, and 10 had epididymitis. And the super relevant thing there is that 70, 80, 92, only eight of them had nothing. <laughs> That's so amazing. On, honestly, some kid comes with pain, like 92 of 100 of them actually have something, something. important. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, the appendix testis has... No function. Yeah. Yet more than half of all boys are born with one. It's kind of just left over. I know. Yeah. Torsion of the appendix test is, isn't serious, and the treatment really is to manage the pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. This next. too shall pass, kind of. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Adding to the list of this too shall pass. Yeah. Is the differential of epididymitis mm -hmm. and orchitis. Orchitis. Doesn't sound Very great. good. Pain in the scrotum or testicle might be from epididymitis, orchitis, or both. Mm -hmm. Epididymitis is swelling or pain of the back of the testicle in the epididymis that stores and carries sperm. 
Oh, you're going to have to talk about this. Yeah, I don't know. This might be another 18, 18 times? times. I don't know. We'll see. Orchitis is swelling or pain in one or both testicles, usually from an infection or virus. Mm -hmm. We think it's really important that when you're educating men about these conditions, that you help them understand about their bodies and how they work. Yeah. So a quick review mm -hmm. about the male reproductive system. I think that's important because a lot of guys come in, as you have said, see task one. Well, because, absolutely. Right. And they're so they're really worried about it. And I think I, I know I think we made great strides in, in society about people feeling comfortable about talking about these kind of private things. But I still think boys struggle a little bit about understanding their bodies and feeling comfortable having that discussion. So I think it is actually very important. So All right, here we go. Listen in. Here's a 30-second review right. on the male reproductive system. Very good. Sperm is mm -hmm. created with specific male hormones in the body. Good. These are made in the two testes in the scrotum. Mm -hmm. Sperm spark, sperm spark, sperm spark, <laughs> sperm start growing in the testes and gave movement and mature, gain movement and maturity while traveling through the epididymis. Mm -hmm. The epididymis is a coiled tube behind each testy. Each epididymis is linked to the ejaculatory duct by a tube called the vas deferens. This tube runs from the lower part of the scrotum into the inguinal canal. It then moves through the pelvis behind the bladder, and this is where the vas deferens joins with the seminal vesicle mm -hmm. and forms the ejaculatory duct. Right. When a man ejaculates, Fluid from the seminal vesicles and prostate mixed with sperm to form semen. semen. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's important for them to know that, right? Because it, it has a bit of a travel bit it's there, right? It's a bit right? of a journey, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. It does. Okay. So, epididymitis is when the epididymis swells. This disease can be acute or chronic and is typically from a bacterial infection. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Acute epididymitis is felt quickly with redness and pain, whereas chronic epididymitis is a duller pain, develops slowly, and is a longer-term problem. Most cases are seen in adults, uh, and it is uncommon to only have swelling of the testy called orchitis, mm -hmm. unless you have both swelling of the epididymis and the testes called epididymorchitis. Yeah. Sorry. Epididymorchitis. I know. That's that's one where you just write messy. I know, I did. Yeah. People will figure it out. Infections in the scrotum may be caused by an infection somewhere else in the body. The symptoms can be felt in the infected epididymis and or testy and in other parts of the groin area. The skin might be swollen, tender, red, firm, and warm. The whole scrotum can also swell up with a fluid, which is called a hydrocele. Mm -hmm. Some sources of infection are urethritis, cystitis, prostatitis, and even pyelonephritis. Mm -hmm. Lots of itis. I know. An acute case is most often caused by a bacterial infection, and E. coli is a common cause. In children who haven't reached puberty, it usually stems from a UTI, which mm -hmm. spreads to the testes. Mm -hmm. In men, an STI is one of the causes mostly from chlamydia. Rarely gonorrhea. Uh -huh. With an STI, there may also be penile discharge. Sometimes it can be caused by an enlarged prostate, prostatitis, and or recent catheter use. Chronic epididymitis may result after an acute epididymitis, but it doesn't seem to go away. Uh -huh. Yeah, that would be the definition of the word chronic. chronic. <laughs> 
It can also happen without acute symptoms or known infection, and in this case, the cause is unknown. That's another, <laughs> okay. log that's another logical I sentence. I can't believe I wrote that. Monique, I, Monique yeah, writes the most clear sentences <laughs> ever. Now, we mentioned that orchiitis alone is rare, and in mostly from a mumps virus infection. Mumps orchitis, I think I said orchiitis again. Yes, you I? did. Mumps orchitis appears in about one-third of males who get mumps after puberty. It only occurs in boys that have mumps. After puberty. puberty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In some cases of mumps infection can be given. No, interferon can Sorry. be given. In yeah. some cases, mumps interferon can be given to prevent orchitis. Yeah. Um, this infection then doesn't spread to the epididymis. So that kind of really, for me, means that people should vaccine themselves, right? Oh, Especially I'm... boys. How did I know you were going to say that? Well, you know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know. Getting your box out. Yes, thank you very much. It on the floor. There's your mm -hmm. soapbox. Get on. Just saying, that mm -hmm. is why mumps, we shouldn't be seeing mumps. Or measles. Or measles or, or anything rubella. like that. Rubella. And how convenient they all come in one vaccine. Exactly. So it is important because, like you said, a third of them, a third of them yeah. after puberty. So mm -hmm. they should not be getting mumps. Are you done? Just saying. Okay. Yeah. All right. We can put away the box now. Put away your okay. box. All right, most epididymitis orchitis is treated with antibiotics. Of course, we would do urine tests, STI testing, ultrasound, because we have to rule out that oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely nasty CTAS1 torsion. <laughs> In mumps orchitis and chronic epididymitis without an acute preceding episode, it's really about pain management with non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. We would also recommend that patients try to rest, decrease swelling, uh, rest to decrease swelling, yeah. scrotal support, and even perhaps wearing more supportive underwear. underwear. Yeah. Mm. Um, of course, health teaching about safe sex, safe sex practices if it's the cause, but boys don't necessarily go to the doctor lots, uh -huh. so exactly. maybe this is an opportunity. If anything going on down there, yeah. use that opportunity to have your little Public discussion. health discussion message. Exactly. So there are a couple of kind of weird, rare cases of epididymitis. Oh, I like weird. I know. TB epididymitis. No way. Yep. And amiodarone epididymitis. Tibepididymitis. I know. And amaretid epididymitis. I know. Wow. So amiodarone epididymitis is secondary to a high drug concentration, usually in the head of the epididymis, and it can occur in up to 3 to 11% of patients taking the drug orally. This is usually a dose-dependent phenomenon and typically occurs at doses greater than 200 milligrams per day. Epididymal levels of the drug are up to 300 times those of the serum, resulting in anti-amiodarone HCL antibodies that subsequently attack the epididymis, resulting in the symptoms of epididymitis. That is, is so, so weird. weird. <laughs> it is. Thankfully... In our country, anyway, mm -hmm. oral amiodarone is not the everyday drug we exactly. see. Exactly. But yeah. there might, you know, might be parts of some of you listening where everyone's on amiodarone. And mm -hmm. here we go. Amiodoropidemitis. <laughs> and actually, once you stop it, the ami amiodarone, um, and change it to another type of medication. The amiodoropidemitis goes away. Well, goes away. Huh? Mm -hmm. TB epididymitis. Tibipididymitis. Yeah. It's the third most common site of extra pulmonary TB. Really? Yep. So if there's no improvement with antibiotics, and if there's an endemic risk of TB in that patient, then you should actually consider it. Um, this would be clearly treated with um, TB meds, right? Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Kind of strange. That's your 
interesting tidbit of the day. I thought it was kind of interesting. That's they are rare, it. but it's kind of interesting. And I'm calling it tibipitomitis. I know. I figured you would like that. Last but not least, we're going to talk about varicoceles. Varicoceles are when the, oh dear. See, they have these hard words. Pampiniform plexus. Pampiniform plexus veins in the scrotum become enlarged. They're kind of like varicose veins in the legs, but they're in your scrotum. And they form no, during no, they're, not, they're not kind of like that. They, they actually are, are that. <laughs> I know. Okay. They are varicose veins in your scrotum. And they form during puberty, and they can grow larger and easier to notice over time. They're more common on the left side of the scrotum, and this is because the male anatomy isn't the same on both sides. See, men are complex. They, they have two are. very different sides. <laughs> yes, we know that. Varicoceles can exist on both sides at the same time, but this is kind of rare. And about 10 to 15 boys out of 100 have a varicocele. There are a few reasons why varicoceles form. The valves in the vein may not work well or may be missing. If blood flow is sluggish, blood may pool in the veins. Also, the larger veins moving from the testicles toward the heart are connected differently on the left and right side. Mm -hmm. So more pressure is needed on the left side to keep blood flowing through the veins toward the heart. If blood flows backwards or pools in the veins, that can cause them to swell. Rarely swollen lymph nodes or other abnormal masses behind the abdomen block the blood flow. But this could, um, if it was there, uh, lead to sudden swelling of the scrotal veins. And often varicoceles are quite painful when they're inflamed or engorged. They can be felt or seen as a tortuous mass in the scrotum. And so some people will describe them as a bag of worms because that's what they kind of look like. About 15 out of 100 people, or men, excuse me, not people, men, have varicoceles. It's hard to predict, though. Part of the problem with varicoceles is that you could have infertility with that, but it's hard to predict which of these 15 out of 100 people will have fertility problems caused by their varicocele. About 4 in every 10 men tested for fertility problems have a varicocele and decreased sperm movement, but there's no links with other defects, race, place of birth, or ethnic group. So although varicoceles are often found in men tested for infertility, Eight out of ten men who have a varicocele don't have fertility problems. So generally speaking, it doesn't, even though when we do test them, there is a, a few of them that have them. So the treatment is primarily pain control through NSAIDs, supportive underwear, etc. Occasionally, they may require surgery, which is directed at blo blocking flow in the pampiniform plexus vein. The pampiniform plexus. The pampiniform plexus. That sounds plexus. like something you'd hear in some ancient Roman movie. It does, doesn't Come it? Come to the pampiniform plexus. <laughs> All right. So we have reviewed and had way too much fun. I know. Uh, several deferential di diagnoses regarding testicular and scrotal pain. Certainly with men, there is some anxiety that it could be testicular cancer. Cancer. But pain in the testicle is rarely caused by testicular cancer. Testicular cancer typically causes a lump on the testicles that's often painless. However, that lump could also be a cyst. So yes, men can also get cysts, mm -hmm. and they are called spermatocytes mm -hmm. or epididymal or spermatic cysts. Wow. Because that makes sense. Yes. Name the cyst where it is. They are fluid-filled masses, often painless, and they grow near the testicles. They tend to be benign, not cancerous. These cysts are found near the top and behind the testicles, but are separate <laughs> from the testicle. They can be smooth, filled with a whitish, cloudy fluid, and most often hold sperm. Their size can vary. There are different ways to treat them. NSAIDs help to ease the pain due to the swelling. 
and there have been some discussion of minimally invasive therapies like aspiration and sclerotherapy. Wow. That even sounds scary, doesn't it? I know it does. A needle coming straight. Oh, don't even. I know. I'm already seriously You're going to start facing soon. I know. I'm I already weak and dizzy. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about <laughs> I aspiration. Just, I just have like one more paragraph I to know. Get through, get through it. And this can be over. Yes. Aspiration. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bagel. I know. I think you might bagel because you have to puncture it with a needle. <laughs> You're seriously just trying to make me I bagel, am going you? to. I'm just, it's so much fun right now watching him squirm. You dial 9 1. <laughs> I gotta got If I hit the ground, hit one yeah, again. Exactly, I will. All right, actually, no, I'm a nurse and a paramedic. Exactly. Don't call an ambulance exactly. no matter what. Everyone will know you when it's, you come to the door. It's self limiting. Yeah. All right, aspiration does involve puncturing the spermatocele with a needle and drawing out its contents. Um, sclerotherapy involves injecting an irritating agent into the spermatocele sac, causing it to heal or a scar to over, clothes, right? which lowers the odds of the fluid pooling again. So, mm -hmm. like, pretty well anywhere else in the yeah. body, you can suck it out or but fill I it up But I think you'll something. be very happy to say that, what? These options are generally not recommended. Really? And are rarely used. Thankfully. But, and it's probably because historically, and I, do, please do not send emails saying I'm sexist, blah, blah, blah. Historically, yes, physicians were male, yeah, for the most part, yes, and not now, but they did not want to go in and talk about this because yeah. they would bagel. Yes. So, <laughs> typically, treatment was not recommended because typically they didn't want to not talk to do about that. this at all, no, exactly, <laughs> nor do this. I know, but really, why is the real reason that we shouldn't do it? Well, why would we? There's a risk to harm of the epididymis, which okay. could lead to fertility problems. And another reason that would just that, come back. Of course. So much like the ovarian cysts that'll solve their own problem, the, the epididymidal cysts will solve their own problem. Yeah. All right. And if there is ongoing symptoms, these patients may have surgery called a spermatoselectomy to remove the spermatocele from the epididymal tissue while taking care to preserve the reproductive tract. But let, let's be honest, that's not an emergency surgery. No. Um, not at all. And in fact, I'm, I doubt, well, 25 years of doing this, no one no one at triage when I said, do you have any medical problems you've seen a doctor for have said, I've had a spermatocelectomy in yeah, the past. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no. no. I'm pretty sure that's one that they just sort of forget about. Yes, exactly. So at the end, any mass felt in the testicles or scrotum should be investigated through ultrasound yeah. to determine the cause. Yeah, I think that, you know, it makes them feel a little bit better. And if it ends up being a spermatocele or something, then you can reassure them and it's right. all good, right? Yeah. So in summary, I just, thank have, to, I just goodness. have to lay on my back. I know. I was going to say, while Landon takes a moment to recover from this podcast, I will just give you the summary. So in summary. Our next one's going to be on vasovagal response. <laughs> exactly. So in summary, sudden testicular pain should be testicular torsion until proven otherwise. See, just for you. CTAS two. Abdominal pain should always include an examination of the groin area. All workup for testicular scrotal pain should include um, blood work, urinalysis, urine CNS if that's necessary, and STI testing. And finally, you know, we, we've been joking a lot, but it is important to be sensitive to how upsetting this can be with our male patients, particularly because they don't always feel comfortable talking about those parts of themselves. So we do have to be frank and matter of fact in our history taking so that they can feel comfortable about their symptoms and not feel like nobody else has these problems. So I think really that's a big thing when we're talking about any kind of personal parts to their um, anatomy. And 
frankly, women have to do, like a lot of women are giving birth, so they're much more comfortable with kind of those bits of their body and they're much easier to discuss. And I'm overgeneralizing, but I do think that because men don't often have problems. Well, it's true. Like the, right? the female problems are just, and that's not, that's statistically, are in larger number. Mm -hmm. And a common ED presentation yeah. of either vaginal bleeding or exactly. you know, painful uh, menstruation, those sorts of things. Yeah. It's actually pretty rare to have a mm -hmm. guy come in with testicular problem. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's not something that you sit around and talk about. Exactly. So just be so sensitive. Opening that door is important. It me. is. And you want them to be honest with you because I know that a lot of them are worrying at home. And so it's just much easier if we can create an environment where they feel comfortable and safe. To discuss it and so that's why i i kind of get on my soapbox again i know Here bring it out again uh -huh. Uh -huh. i'm surprised you could bring it out aren't you feeling a little faint well i'm still feeling a little faint <laughs> we do honestly want to do outtakes because this has been quite difficult to get through this yeah so however long <laughs> the podcast eventually is you can see on your podcast player if that yeah. it, maybe people don't have podcast players know, anymore on your probably. phone or whatever you're doing um the time on our actual thing is 40 minutes right now <laughs> so it's probably gonna end up being 15 Teen. and that will mean there was 25 minutes of uncomfortable conversation exactly and a bit of laughter and we're not gonna say laughter yeah as i try to describe some things that <laughs> i was i was passing out <laughs> as it was happening <laughs> all right let's get out of here uh this is Landon. And Monique. And uh, we will see you next month. Thank you. Bye. For past episodes and to comment on this episode, please visit our website at nursum.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursumCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursum Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education. www.prneducation.ca